0: greeting worms and welcome to another episode of in the area podcast a podcast where Isaac Schiller interview amazing people I'm in the area of everyone's got a little nugget of wisdom to share and I hope to unearth those nuggets today I have the special pleasure of interviewing Axel Lloyd a longtime friend and fellow member of the Source Runs North Trans Canada Canoe Trip we paddled 2800 miles from Rainy Lake, Minnesota to the Arctic Ocean, a 109-day trip. We get into the meat and mud of our journey. How was actual special on our trip? What advice can he share with us for future expeditions? Democratic decision making, does it work? The hardest part of a 4-month adventure. The benefits of repeating mantras during tough obstacles and the power Of journaling. If you like today's episode, gently, gently, gently press that follow button and follow along as we unearth these wisdom nuggets. I hope you enjoy. A
1: skill that I have, um, or just like an innate part of my personality, and um, something I had long before, it's what I brought to the trip. It's what I'm. I I will carry with me the rest of my life. It's just part of who I am. Is um. I guess you could just say, I don't know. It's like uh, i I'm, You could characterize me as like being like brutally honest in a mm-hmm. way. Like I don't know that like that. Um, and I think what how, what that provided for the trip was um. It made it. It definitely, like involved with me and like my personal interactions with people, and just like my what I noticed on like if I noticed something happening on the trip, like I felt comfortable enough to come out and say it, and I think that that also gave other people a place to feel comfortable to do the same thing. Like mm. from that, like I, I don't know, and that and that it almost encouraged that kind of communication, which for a trip like ours, which I, I'm you, I'm sure you're going to give an introduction about it, but, um, you know, where we're around each other and it's just the six of us. And, it, you know, we're, we are it pretty much for over a hundred days. Um, you can't have, you can't, you can't afford to have any kind of festering issues, mm-hmm. um, cause that can really, it can become toxic and poisonous, um, to the whole, you know, and it can become like a systemic problem you know kind of like sepsis in the body like an infection that just goes across the whole body and so uh yeah th- i think we did a very good job in in with communicating with one another um and being open and honest with one another um yeah and I, I you know i think um i think that i i'm that's definitely a big part of how i communicate with people and i think that allowed other people to do the same thing
0: i would absolutely agree with that and i think it did encourage the rest of the trip to say exactly what they're feeling. And I think that was very helpful in us making the right decisions, because if you're not, if you're not being truthful or you're not saying what you actually feel, your, um, your opinion is your, your addition to the the group is not going to be felt is, you know, so I would also say that you were very, um, you, you paid close attention to details. And so mm-hmm. I feel like things wouldn't slip by you. Like, you know, I feel like you really were helpful in making sure that every little tiny thing was dialed in.
1: Right. Right. Now I think that's fair to say too. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Br- Br- Bram's also really good at that. <laughs> yeah. I don't
0: know. Yeah. It's good good to have the Lloyd bros on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, totally. I think I think that's a good point. Um because a big part of our 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 group dynamic and even decision making process a a fallible part of that was um its susceptibility to groupthink yeah you know and so and i'm uh, we definitely suffered from that I'm, i mean i'm sure if we could do like a outsider meta analysis of decisions like we would we would see where where that happened occasionally. Like, I mean, I can yeah, th- I can think of some instances off the top of my head. I'm sure you can as well. You're talking about
0: where groupthink would happen.
1: Yeah, groupthink. And you like, do where- have
0: an instance right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, just like yeah, I mean, I can. Fi- I I. There are pl- there are already areas where what we are talking about, like what you know, I brought to the table, and how that allowed other people to voice you know how they actually felt and like that that really contributed in a positive way to our decision-making process like we still fell short of that many times like you know in winnipeg like on that really scary paddle like where mm. no one I, and it, it might have just been we all like um yeah i mean we 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 all didn't we all might have just fallen in the same trap and like no one really knew what kind of how like realized the danger we were in until it was too late yeah. Um can you
0: just describe what moment you're talking about? Yeah,
1: for sure. Uh yeah, that was definitely like the scare this this moment that I'm going to describe here was definitely like the scariest moment of the entire trip. Um I think the majority of the trip members would say the same thing. It happened very early on in the trip, um, on Lake Winnipeg, which is was in section one of our of our 109 day trip. Um, meaning it was before the first resupply even. Like so Lake Winnipeg was the first major obstacle we we had to face. And excuse me this uh we were actually very close to reaching the like being at the end of of lake winnipeg which had, we'd been on this lake for uh about 15 days this is probably like nearing day tw- this is probably like day 23 or so so pretty early on um the water is extremely cold we'd actually just been ice bound for multiple days running into ice and not being able to paddle any further and um yeah, it was. Uh, it just seemed like a normal morning. the The waves were pretty choppy, and we had to kind of push off the beach, and uh, it made it kind of difficult to push off of our campsite. But once we were going, we were going, and um, the waves were getting pretty choppy, so we pulled over for a break, kind of in a bay, and uh, we were we were on a break for a little while. Um, and uh, I know you've made this point. We actually uh, attained cell service, and um, we kind of we uh, used that time to kind of check in make some social media posts and uh, do all that kind of stuff. And by the time we checked out of that um, from our vantage point in the nestled Bay, the waves looked pretty, it looked more calm out there. So we were ready to push on and, you know, it was all kind of happy go lucky for those first 10, 12 minutes of paddling. Um, But then, yeah, once we actually got further away from the safety of the Bay and kind of got more into the middle of the open water, the waves really just started to, they, they felt like they really started to grow and, and, um, they were kind of having their way with us. And like, we felt like we couldn't really even control the boat. And we were all paddling in that situation for many minutes before anyone even said like, man, this is like, you know, even vocalized what kind of a dangerous situation we were in and, 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 and all that. And by that point it was, you know, it would have been just, it would have, it wouldn't have made sense to even turn back. That would have actually been the, the worst decision because you would have kind of lost momentary control of your boat, and uh, we just had to keep going forward um, towards this kind of tiny peninsula that we saw in the distance. It's probably like a, I don't know, like a five mile paddle or something. It would, it it was going to take a while. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and yeah, that was definitely the scariest moment of the trip. We all made it out okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was a time where I think there was groupthink like no one no one stepped up and said anything in time, and part of the reason is is uh we didn't actually have a you know a trip head quote unquote we didn't have that hierarchy of decision making like you would have on a on many of these other trips that everyone on our canoe trip grew up doing as both campers and and trip heads themselves. Um, so the buck didn't necessarily stop with anyone. So that would have been an instance where um, it would have been appropriate for someone to, as soon as they felt that unease to like say something. And I'm, I'm sure someone did early, you know, someone felt it first and then someone felt it second, third, fourth. And then, but definitely by the time the first person said anything, we had all felt it, you know, and it needed to be said right away. So that was a, that, I think that was a, a instance of groupthink. think. And, um, but you know i mean that that was that's the nature of our decision making process democratic uh decision making process um but yeah but there there were plenty of other instances where you know it, there was a contentious vote and you know people definitely felt comfortable making their 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 feelings known and, and i mean it was always going to be it was always a tough balancing act i mean you know I, and it's you know it was important to you know when a vote didn't go go your way not to let your your ego get bruised or to not let it spoil the rest of whatever is left of your day i mean those are all these are all those were all just the just challenges that needed to 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 be met and but i mean yeah i mean it's it was the it was it's a a necessary vice of democracy i would i i stand by our decision making process i think uh, i don't know if we all everyone on that trip would say the same thing but i mean it got us as far as it did and i i i think it was a great decision on our part
0: were there any moments where you wish we didn't have a democratic system
1: um no i not really i i uh i think we had it we had a a it was well pretty well thought out um i mean it definitely got um it was kind of being it was a little overwrought early on in the trip. Like we were using it, I think in, in instances that no one intended it for us to be using it, like to make minor decisions, like when we should eat, which I mean, yeah, I mean, it's important, you know, If and that's true. I mean, we should have kind of foreseen it, um, but it definitely got better as, you know, we stopped making a mandatory, we stopped making a vote on those kinds of things as, as the trip went on and kind of, really just made it for for major decisions um but i think it was pretty well thought out like we understood that the democratic system might um it might you know that th- that someone who would be on the losing end of a a vote might really really not feel comfortable doing something and so there was there was oh there was a veto like in the back pocket for for like if there's a rapid that someone doesn't want to shoot like um you know, we don't shoot it, you know, or if, if, if someone's like, yo, this, this is a really bad, like, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable paddling it at that at this time, um, due to like, you know, like way too poor visibility or, um, I don't know, the choppiness of the water was like, if someone didn't felt like their safety was at stake, uh, we would not do it. That, that very rarely happened. um, And I think we did all have a pretty – we had a lot of confidence in one another and um, each other's decision, like decision-making skills um, and each other's experience to respect that, you know, people aren't voting opposite of me because they want to put me in danger or I don't – I think this guy's – you know, he's a live fuse. Like, I don't trust his judgment. I I think we – you know – I think it would to go into the woods thinking that about any one of these guys would have been, uh, it would you wouldn't have felt comfortable doing that, you know, to even agree mm. on that trip. So that's a really good point. We had a very we had a very strong foundation of trust in one another mm. and each uh, one another's abilities, which helped us even build upon that foundation as the trip went on.
0: Mm. What advice would you give to expeditions that are deciding to take on the democratic system?
1: Um. Man, um, I would, I mean, one thing we did have, I mean, obviously we had a, it depends on the makeup of your group. I think most canoe trips, just them, it being a canoe trip, which is kind of a, um, you know, it's a team made up of groups of twos, most more likely than not, at least the way we trip. Um, so you're probably going to have an even number of people. So there's obviously going to be that tie, that tie possibility, which happened, you know, it, it it definitely um happened in a lot of instances with us and we did have a tiebreaker, quote unquote, which um those duties excuse me. Um, they originally fell to we agreed by pretty much unanimous decision to give those give that uh tiebreaking vote to Quinn Panair. him just being the uh he was the oldest member of the trip. He had a lot of experience, but it wasn't necessarily his experience that he was more experienced than any one of us. I don't think he was actually. I think it was, it was, um, it was more just his, uh, it was his reputation amongst, amongst our community, our camp community and amongst us as like the Sorcerer's North trip, the other five members. Um, it was the esteem we held him in and his decision-making process, the way that we know he went about things like, and just how he made his decisions. Um, so we felt, he was a very cool calculated um, individual that we could, could trust with that tie-breaking vote, but um, it definitely was a burden. And, it, you know, we, we noticed it, it seemed like a burden to Quinn and, and Quinn admitted as much to himself. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility to put on your shoulders when, you know, it's like pretty much like, all right, well, it's three to two, like Quinn, you make the final vote. Like you, you know, Quinn would like vote last typically. And like, you know, a lot of things would be like 3-2, so like whatever he says, if he joins the group with three, you know, it's going one way. If he joins the group with only two individuals, you know, 3-3, three, three, tiebreaker, like that was a lot. Um, and and we did come to a – we had a conversation where we considered even changing our decision-making model to being that of like pretty much one trip head, um, which, you know, would be like a – even like a – I think the – the suggestion was to make it like a rotating trip head. Um, whereas like where one person for one day or maybe one week, whatever it would be, um, would have the trip head, you know, title pretty much. And also responsibility and find pretty much, it's pretty much means the buck stops with you. Like you can, and you know, you, and it, it would have been very interesting to see how that went. Um, I think it would have provided a great opportunity to, to, uh, to develop some serious leadership skills. Um, and I think we all would have handled that role differently. Um, but I'm glad we didn't. And what we ended up deciding to do was that we rotated the, we rotated the tiebreaker. So like, you know, it was Quinn one day and then, and we, and that kind of, we had different various duties that rotated. One would be photographer. So like some guy had the camera every other day just to give like everyone the opportunity to take photos, Slash, not make one person feel like they're the photographer. Um, and it got to the point where, like, m- pretty much most people, besides James, like loved having the the camera, like, because you know, it was like a thing that was, you know, oh, it's finally my turn again, like, it's finally my turn again, and instead of like, all right, I guess I'm the photographer, you know what I mean? So, anyway, the person who was the photographer had that tie breaking vote and it just rotated. And, like, and the one caveat of that was it was, uh, if there was any major decision to be made, it would, and I mean, we, we pretty much, we had to define that in, in some ways, like what constitutes a major decision, but it was pretty much like, you know, it's going to be, it determines like the pacing of the trip, you know, are we, you know, do we, do we have to, yeah, do we have to push? Do we want to pull back? Like, are we, you know, like things like that, things of that nature, like, um, you know, are we gonna push the big red button? you know uh, hopefully that wouldn't ever need to be a tie breaking vote, but things like that and uh, those that would stay with Quinn fortunately we never that situation never came up but uh, I think that was a good pivot, but I'm really glad we stayed with the original system, so I would just say to people to be willing to pivot for that democratic system as you see fit, and I mean it's gonna change group to group like. We we voted on the decision about whether or not to keep the voting model or to change to a kind of rotating trip head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm glad we kept the democratic system. For Me sure. too. Yeah,
0: for sure. Absolutely. What's your elevator pitch of the trip? What What was the trip that we went on?
1: Oh, oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been thinking about that a lot recently because um, right right now, pretty much uh we we're in big production of uh of what we're going to hope to be our, our short feature film of our trip using all this fantastic footage we captured um we just released the trailer but i mean a big part of that is kind of capturing a, a thesis in order to like move forward um with like what's the story we want to tell and and we realized this was a bridge we were going to eventually have to come and uh we were, we were going to eventually come to And, um, but we decided to wait to like, you know, not decide what the story that we were going to film was before we started filming. And now we're kind of needing to come to that. So I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Um, and I've been watching a lot of our footage as well, like post-trip, pre-trip interviews and, and during, and, um, things that stick out to me. Um, it's a story of, it's a story of, of sacrifice, um, and, and love and, um, and it, our trip shows the, the virtues of, um, setting, setting your sights on something like very aiming very high, um, and, and sacrificing quite a lot to achieve that goal. Um, but what makes our trip unique in, in, is that it was a, it was, uh, I mean, it was such a group effort. I mean, that it, it was, it was more than just you know setting an individual goal for yourself, which is very important. But you know, the the biggest takeaway that everyone pretty much, you know, pretty much a hundred percent across the board took away from the trip was um, the relationships that we that we made out there and that we that we strengthened, and that was also a defining, like what would have defined failure for us would have been if those if those bonds of friendship frayed while we were out there, yet we still, you know, reached point B, we reached the Arctic Ocean, you know, it wouldn't have been worth it. Um, and we totally um strengthened those bonds out there and 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 developed uh learned a lot about each other and ourselves. And um I think it's a story of friendship and uh and the importance of shared experience and and the power of of those shared experiences when you're, you're trying to achieve something, um, fantastic, you know, and, and, and you'll sacrifice a lot for one another to reach it.
0: Mm. I love, yeah, I, I think that sums it up beautifully. And, and what was your, what was your personal reason, um, at the beginning before we even departed for going on the trip?
1: I mean, um, yeah, I think many of us already had pretty we had Arctic dreams um, that that we we were. I mean, I, I definitely remember the moment um, when I really just realized, like, wow, I want to do, I want to do that too. I want to paddle to the Arctic Ocean um, because, uh, yeah, it was when the Six North of Sixty girls were presenting on their trip during this gala in in Chicago. This kind of this camping and education foundation meeting uh, or reunion slash fundraiser and they were presenting on this. These are six girls who are kind of our sister, Camp Cooch Ching's sister camp. And Camp Cooch is where we all met. And uh, we have a sister camp. And uh this group of six girls decided that, you know, dang, all these guys have been, you know, they've been doing these Arctic trips since the seventies and they just started doing them again. And they were inspired and they decided to do their own Arctic trip. And they did it really well. And uh they presented on it and it it you know, it brought tears to my eyes. Um, they they also had extremely um extremely powerful friendships um and experiences that they shared out there. And I just remember like looking over to Bram at the table next to me and you know, we both Your had, brother. Yeah, my brother Bram, who also went on the trip. Um, and yeah, we both had tears in our eyes and like, you know, it was kind of just like nodding at each other, like, dude, we gotta do this, you know. Like um, I don't even know if we talked about it too much afterwards. Um, I, I, I know we, we both knew we wanted to go, but we, we hadn't, we didn't put in like the proper, the proper, we hadn't put in like the legwork yet to get it going. And I don't know. It just, um, yeah. So when, when Paul came, came knocking and, uh, asked if I wanted to be part of the Arctic trip, I mean, it was an automatic. Yes. I, there was no hesitation. Um, because that that seed had already been planted, um, so it was just a matter of of figuring the rest out. But the inspiration was always, you know, it, it had been there, um, and it, it, and there's no doubt that it had been sowed even before that. I mean, just to want to paddle to the Arctic Ocean, you have to have a foundation there. Of of you know, it was it's the the tripping component of Camp Kuching has always been um, something that I've you know that I've hung my hat on like I think we do some really badass awesome trips that are very important in the development of young men um and uh there there's some very powerful lessons to be to be taught out there in the woods um so yeah I mean I it, it, and it was just yeah so I mean it, in a sense it was always just about um I don't know just developing that like you know it was always a development you know you do you do a prep trip of five days, junior trip of 10, intermediate trip 14, big trip, three weeks, and then, like, what after that, you know? And and we had talked before about wanting to, like, you know, man, it would be really cool if they did, like, an all-summer-long trip again. Like, you know, I heard that they did that before, like, the you know, the trans-Manitoba trip, and, you know, they pretty much just combined their one, you know, combined into one five-week-long trip. Like, that sounds so cool. Like, and that's why we made, like... um, like one of the tenets uh, and missions of our uh, – the mission of our trip was to really try to elevate that that uh, tripping component of Camp Cooch, and we, we raised a lot of money for that as well, so I'm excited to see what happens there. But, yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, a- another thing I wanted to ask you was, is there something that happened on the trip or about the trip that it, you're still trying to uh, piece out, parse out, that you still think about that still feels un- unsolved?
1: Um I wouldn't say there's anything that feels unsolved. Um yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's it's definitely so crazy to to think. I don't know if you experience this as well, but just to like be back in, you know, the current position that we are in our lives with, you know, um, you know, figure and just doing the the day-to-day routines of, of, you know, of life outside the woods, like life, um, you know, of, of just of balancing our profession and our, our, our personal relationships and, and friendships that we have here in, in the Vale Valley and all those responsibilities. And then, you know, and then you think about like, man, like, you know, six months ago I was on a 190 canoe trip like paddling all day like it just seems cr- i don't know it just it seems like a different like life i don't know it's it it feels like a dream almost um feels it's just wild to think about and it's like man that's crazy that that actually happened like you
0: don't feel like you were actually on that trip i mean i
1: feel i mean i feel like i was on the trip but uh it's it's. It just seems so wild to think that I was on the trip for so long. Like, I don't know. It just seems like... And it wasn't that long ago that I was on that trip. I mean, it just... It feels like it felt, it feels like a trip, man. I don't know. <laughs> like, thinking about that, uh, that that we were on this wild canoe trip paddling to the Arctic Ocean. Like, it doesn't even feel real. Um, and I, I guess... Uh, I wouldn't say there's nothing anything I left out there that's unsolved. I mean, to me, the, one of the largest takeaways from the trip was that, that feeling, um, you know, and I'm sure it hit each and every one of us at different points. I know it hit me, um, as we were taking kind of our last stretch to the Arctic Ocean, kind of after our final, our final portage over Bloody Falls that put us on the past, the last, um, pretty much the last obstacle that we needed to pass until, you know, uh, before we pa- we reached the Arctic ocean, just like paddling and just, you know, I couldn't, I was, I was just crying for like 10 minutes. Like, you know, I was in the stern, you know, I was glad, I was grateful that Paul was like sitting in front of me, but like he definitely heard me like crying. Um, but, um, and it was just this overwhelming, it was just, Oh, uh, ov- I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a great way to describe it. It was just overwhelming. and, and, I've tried to articulate this. It was, it's, it, it was not just like a feeling. It was, it was, it was happy. You know, I was, it was definitely like bittersweet crying. Mostly sweet though. Um, I wasn't like just upset that the trip was almost over. Although it was definitely a little bit of that. But mostly it was this profound sense of gratitude. And definitely it's fair to say like accomplishment is in there. But uh, I mean, it was just this, this sweeping feeling that overtook me and and it was the feeling of like nothing i've ever felt before, and I think it's because I felt like that was the largest like the biggest accomplishment of my life um and and what it what it takes to feel that is to really sacrifice you know like really sacrifice and put pretty much your all into some a specific pursuit and endeavor and you know i didn't feel that way after graduating high school I didn't feel that way after graduating college like those things kind of just felt like, you know, like, oh, of course I'm going to graduate high school. Of course I'm going to graduate college. Like, you know, I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't have to scrape my way through college, you know, for, you know, either like either paying for it or, or just like, you know, it was a struggle for me to, to, to even, to even pass or anything like that. Like, and I just felt like I hadn't really struggled for anything and, and, and sacrifice so much for something before. So I think that's where that overwhelming Mm -hmm. feeling came from. And I've, and so to me, it's always going to be like, man, like, you know what that feels like. I don't know. And I don't know. I think that there's a lot of people that go through life and they might not ever feel that whatever feeling i you know, that, that I felt out there. Um, and you know, it's like, Damn, like I really hope I can taste that again, you know, and, and it makes you want to taste it again um i don't I don't feel like, oh, you know, I felt that so like I can you know yeah you're yeah good now to go. i've yeah, now I'm good to go, like i you know that's like no, it's like i mean imagine how many other great feelings are out there. Is it there.
0: like a drug like do you are do you want that do you are you do you want to chase that feeling again
1: uh yeah, for sure, I think it's i mean i've I'm in a very happy place now, um after the trip, I mean, I mean, where I am in my life right now, I wouldn't say right after the trip I was in like a super happy place. I think I was kind of, and I don't know how many people f- I didn't know. I would like to talk to other people, like yeah. other of our trip members, but um, mine might have been a special case, and I think we all have different personalities, so we're going to handle things differently. But you know, I, you know, I I had all these trips planned with uh, my girlfriend Kaylee right after. And, uh, we went on this big camping trip with my family and then we went to Europe and I was like pretty much on like vacation mode for like over a month right after this, you know, four month long canoe trip, which I'd been dedicating 14 months of my life plan, like, you know, helping plan for it. And, you know, and like, that was always going to be the end goal. Like while we were planning, like we're going to go on this trip. And then all of a sudden I'm on this like vacation time right after that. And it was just like, I couldn't handle, I was like too much, you know, I, I was like, I needed to like, feel, I needed to like dedicate my something. I, I felt like I, I was, I needed to to dedicate my efforts to a cause again. And I don't know if that mm. was just because I was fresh off of this, this, uh, this experience. But I mean, that's what I mean. Like there's no way that like after experience that once, you know, you're going to feel satisfied. I mean, it's like, if you're not, if you, I feel like if you're not, at least for me, it's like, if I, if I'm not aiming towards something, like, what am I doing? Because I feel like looking back on it too, and like thinking about a lot of my life, I'm just like, frick, man. I was like, I did not have myself oriented at all. You know, like what was I doing? And that you know, and um yeah, so I'm I'm very grateful. I mean, definitely now where I am in my life after the trip, I I'm just in a very good place. I feel very oriented and um <coughs> I'm feel I'm feeling my waking hours doing a lot of meaningful things and uh yeah, and I'm 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 very I'm very, very sad. I'm very happy. Um I'm very happy and, and um yeah, I think I have I have I have the trip to thank for it and and all those guys I went on this on this trip with.
0: Do you feel like a different person?
1: Um, I'm definitely like in a new yeah, I mean I'd say like who I am right now. And this might just be like, I think a lot, maybe like a lot of people kind of start like, I don't know, maybe I think there there might just be like an, I mean, my brain is finally fully developed partially it. I'm 26 years old. Um, so that might be part of it. Uh, cause I made a lot of really dumb decisions, um, in my early twenties and, and late teens. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm in a totally new phase of my life. Like you know where I am now versus where I was before the trip i um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's hard to say like what I don't know i you know, I imagine that the trip had to have something to do with it,
0: right, but there's not like a a specific thing about yourself that you're like, okay, that you can point to me like this is new or like this is changed, or this is um this is extremely updated since before the trip,
1: yeah, I mean. I don't know. I would say that like part of I part of who I am, I would always say that I've been like a I I've been very driven. Um but I I just didn't I feel like I didn't always like have my I didn't like part of my personality is like if I set my my mind like to 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 doing something or to overcoming something like that yeah. it's pro- it's probably going to happen. Um, like I'm going to dedicate myself to doing it, but like, it would just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like do that to like the proper pursuits in a lot of like different things. Like,
0: and and when you say that, I do think of a specific image. Uh, we had a peanut butter disaster on the trip and the, the whole bottom of the, of our, our food bags exploded in peanut butter and we discovered it one evening. Um, Axel was the one to discover it. And I just remember watching you toil so laboriously is that a word laboriously laboriously at cleaning out the bag and like this is axel like this axel axel's hand axel's hands face feet entire body was covered in peanut butter and he's he's wiping with things that are already saturated in peanut butter not but just like you know this that that for me encapsulated Axel. like you're gonna do everything you're gonna be fucking soaked in peanut butter and you're still gonna be trying to you know get to the end (laughs)
1: Oh man, that's yeah. That that was a hilarious. That was a hilarious night, and, and th- those were just, those things were really fu- like horrible in the moment, and then really funny afterwards, and then it got to the point where they stopped being funny at all because it <laughs> happened to us like three times. Right, right. But then we were just like, "Wow, we yeah." That is uh, that is definitely um something that I would tell other trips. Don't um in your budget definitely budget for um budget for quality tupperware snap mm, things or yeah. something that you know because we did not budget for that we just used big plastic jars that like you know restaurants get and stuff and yep and and th- that they were not up to the task of uh being loaded and unloaded and especially portaged yeah i mean you're you're moving those things a lot and they wait and even if you're trying to be very careful like so don't 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 shortchange yourself on uh on your containers <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> that is really good advice, <laughs> and uh another thing I want to ask you is what do you think was the hardest part about the canoe trip?
1: The hardest part for, for you? you for me um, man. <sighs> um I mean, definitely the uh the physicality of the of the yellow knife section. Um was uh pretty that that was a big slog a big toil um but
0: can you briefly describe the yellow yeah knife?
1: yeah for sure the yellow knife section was definitely like our final major obstacle it's this is this is um a river that we pretty much paddled up and mostly pulled up slash portaged over um until we reached the uh pretty much reached a, another portage in our, our last height of land portage that ended up putting us into the Coppermine river and everything was downstream from there, but it is notoriously steep, um, and rocky and, and not very well traveled, meaning that there is very few portage trails. Um, and, uh, it's notoriously difficult even coming downstream. So going up it, uh, was, it was quite the challenge. So it was pretty much, um, over two weeks of just ruling, um, very physically demanding. It's in the art, it's, you're in the tundra too. And, uh, there's tons of bugs and, um, and, uh, it's, it was, it was very physically demanding and and mental. It was the mental aspect. I would say the most physically demanding portion of the trip was just this kind of, uh, 36-hour period when we did the Methi portage, which was halfway through the trip, and that's a 12-mile portage where you're overland carrying all of your gear, um, boats, everything you've brought, pretty much. And and this was a major milestone for our trip because it marked it was like the halfway point. And also, I mean, we'd been pulling upriver for over 30 days, pretty much, and um oh, and pretty much the rest of the trip from this point on until we reached the yellow knife which I was just talking about earlier was all downstream and so it connects two watersheds it's a very it's a historical portage very important for the fur trade route um and you know this portage trail is like a highway it's an ATV trail but it's 12 miles i mean you can't do you can't do it in one day and it it's more than 12 miles because um you end up having to go back for your second load and with those long of distances those miles really add up um, and mm. it got to the point, I mean, there was, there's, there was just some hilarious moments on that trip. I, I had, I suffered a lot personally, just like, uh, from, I had some pretty gnarly, uh, ca- calf and thigh cramps and there was some, uh, I was with uh, Zach actually and Paul and there was some funny video footage and, and, uh, and there were some really, really good moments at the campsite at night. And also, especially in the morning when we were waking up and you had to do it again. Like we weren't done. We were like two thirds of the way done and you still had to keep going the second day after you've pretty much destroyed your body. Like it was to the point like where a lot of us like could hardly even walk to our tents. We were pretty much crawling to our tents and then you had to wake up. And at that point, your body's just started to like not, you're not recovered yet. Not by a long shot. You just feel how broken your body and muscles are. And, and then you realize like, holy shit, I got to do this again.
0: Did you feel like the second day of the method was easier than the first?
1: Oh god, dude. Um I don't know. I don't know which one I would rather do. I think I'd probably rather do the second day again. I I was in a really hard spot uh walking back after finally getting the boats to the end of the 12 mi- the end of the 8 miles to our camp where we were going to camp that night by this um, small lake and you had to walk back and we had to meet the other guys who were carrying the loads and we were going to meet halfway and then go the rest of the way together. If that makes any sense. And, um, I mean, with no weight on my back, I could like barely walk to them and, and it finally got better. Um, but then that next morning, like, I guess like once we started moving, it was okay. Um, but that next morning, like just moving, like, you know, getting out of your sleeping bag, packing up your stuff, taking the tent. I was like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like I, I do not know how I'm going to do this. This is crazy.
0: Was there like a, an aphorism or a saying or something that you said in your head that made that like kept you moving?
1: Yeah. Do you remember
0: this? I you I do remember you singing a little something in the morning. Was that what you would say? to you what were- you,
1: you asked me a very you we were doing a uh, we were doing a in the mid like we were doing an interview like in the tent too with the GoPro and you asked me this and and hopefully we can salvage this footage. I definitely remember looking at it afterwards. We're kind of missing some footage right now. For those of you who don't know, it's pretty unfortunate, and it's all on this methy section. But um, you asked me in the tent this very similar question. About you know how, what what keeps you going like what you know do you pretty you know do you say anything to yourself or what and uh, you know I just looked at you right right in the camera and just said there's gonna be something better for me
0: something better
1: yeah, yeah so it's either that like uh, where did, what does that come from is that um it's Oliver Twist or it's Annie. I can't okay. remember. Some orphan. It's an orphan. <laughs> I mean, that's how I felt like out there. I felt orphaned. Wow. <laughs> um, or it's, yeah, it's that, or it's left, 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 right, left, right, left. I mean, either one of those two, and, uh, you know, it'll so take me it, to the end. Thinking
0: less about, like, the end goal and just thinking about one foot after the other, is, is that fair? Yeah,
1: that's. I'd say so. I'd say that's fair. I was very much, um, yeah, I was very much in the moment. I that, And that's how I am, I think, with a lot of things, like, you know, with paddling. I mean, I when I was first going on canoe trips with Cooch, and um, thank God I broke this habit. Like when I was like 15, though, I was doing this. Like, and some of my first big long canoe trips is on a big trip, and I was literally count. I mean, I I didn't talk too much in the boat. I was with count. I was with a counselor, and and we didn't talk too much. I mean, he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't like a Spartan kind of guy or anything, but um, we just didn't talk all the time, you know. And when we wouldn't talk. I would start counting my paddle strokes. Like that's how I would spend my time. I would I would count 1 2 and I would I would literally count every stroke and I would have a count. I would I would tell them how many paddle strokes we counted like oh in between gosh. the in between the stretches, and they're like, dude, well, is that what you're doing? I'm like, yeah, like I can't. And every time I would like start doing it, but, like, fuck, fuck, like I, got, I gotta stop. i like, got stop, I gotta stop, how to like, I gotta stop wow. this, like, I, I don't want to do this.
0: That's so, yeah, dude, why do you think you do that? I don't know. I
1: start, and sometimes, like, I think about this still. Sometimes when I'm paddling, I'm like, man, I remember when I used to count and stuff, <laughs> and then, and then I'll start like thinking about that, and I'll be like, oh, shoot, and then I'll like start <laughs> counting, be like, no, 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 no you're no, no, not, no. You okay, not counting, not you, anymore. yeah, you're not counting. <laughs> um Wait. i don't know what it is but i think it's just i don't know i think it's kind of what you just said like it must just be my personality and like being in kind the of moment. how i get kind of how i get through things i'd say it's like one step at a time like you know detail focused and and you know i'm doing those little things to reach the end goal like obviously we all you know i know what i know what that we're trying to get to the end of the portage but i'm not thinking about necessarily like or i'm trying not to think I mean, I don't know. Really, know what's worse? I mean, I think it's just different things uh, for different people. Like, you know, I I I describe that. I mean, and that paddling thing to me sounds crazy too. And I would not w- want to do that. What um, counting counting paddles? Like, right. and I don't necessarily like, count my my. I don't count my footsteps, um, in between in between breaks uh, while I'm while I'm portaging. Um, but uh, you know, to me, it also sounds really bad to be like all right, how much longer do I have? Like that was, you know, I had three miles an hour. I probably have like, you know, 2.5. Like I think have I don't know. i like be thinking about that the whole time, but I'm sure it sounds bad to some people like think about every little step
0: too. Well, no, I, I actually found myself doing that too. Like I would count, but I would reset at four. One, two, three, three four. four, one, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. That's a good, yeah. I don't know. I, and I wasn't doing it intentionally, but that also makes me realize that like at almost all points I was thinking about something
1: were definitely. you the same
0: way? Did you ever feel like, you know, cause in meditation, I feel like you're in pursuit of nothing and maybe paddling is an opportunity to really just get into a state of nothing. Did you ever ha- get into that state?
1: Um, I wouldn't, I definitely, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I would know. I mean, I, I, I didn't necessarily, my brain doesn't necessarily work that way. Like I remember like Definitely with like Quinn saying like the way Quinn talks, and I think the way you talk too about it, like, you know, your mind is going like a hundred thousand different places, like when you're paddling for some, you know, and I, I feel like except like what you did just describe that one, two, three, four. I think that says a lot about just the power of like mantra and like yeah. prayer and, mm. and and those kinds of things. Like you, you know, like there have been there have been reported instances of like, you know, like that's how people power through, you know, spec- like very difficult situations emotionally or physically i think um and 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 there i i am sure there's some really good science behind you know repetition mantra mm, yeah. prayer oh, um, what that so does for curious. your brain but like yeah. i mean to me it seems apparent like that yeah. there is some there is something to be found in that like repetition and like there's something i don't know what it is with humans um and maybe it's more than that maybe you know maybe it's other life forms too but um, definitely with the consciousness of humans and that, like, repetition and, and uh yeah, and mantra, you know. Yeah. You know, it's power. I don't know. Because, I mean, it, it It just, I mean, I just talking to you, it, it just seems like that's, like, something that a lot of people go to, you know, to get maybe automatic. Yeah, like, repetition. It's, like an auto, I, it's an automatic thing, like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah
0: kind of revert to that yeah. I, because it's not a conscious it just kind of happens yeah totally um i, I mean that's a thing like when
1: you're yeah i mean when you're when you're in that really physically demanding situation like that is that's when you're going into your i mean whatever is automatic for you you know i mean i don't know that's like you you're you're, you're i don't know that's crazy i don't know that's just what you revert you're gonna revert to that kind of that bait that base instinct kind of thing you know
0: I feel another interesting thing is um, just the conversations in the boat, mm-hmm. and um, one thing that Quinn and I talked about was what were these conversations in the boat. And I want to address this: um, the conflict that you and I had in the beginning of the trip, and this was something Quinn and I talked about on on his podcast. Yeah, is that I I feel like after you and I got in a boat together, things after that just. Like anytime there's something would come up, we were able to move through it exponentially faster. Um, and just to give a little background, I don't know if you want to spirit it. I was just going to touch on the conflict that we had as roommates living together. Go for it. Yeah. Um, we, we had conflict. And um, it'd be over. I feel like now looking back, very stupid things. Um, and every time it would happen, we were like, God dang, this is not good. And we really were like, let's, we got to figure this out. Like we can't be doing this on the canoe trip. Yeah, and so we 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 took it seriously. Like we were trying to figure it out, and I feel like we went into the trip a little bit. We still had some residual crap that we 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 might have left from left over, maybe from the roommates. But I feel like after you and I got in a boat together, and started to I don't, just like after conversations for me, it was like really like you explaining where you're coming from, or just gathering that from talking just deeply about you know whatever it was we were talking about. That's when I was, that's when for, for me, it was like, oh my gosh, like Axel's this amazing person, he's coming yeah. from a good place. And like, yeah, maybe we don't agree on how to get there at times, but like, that's when I finally, that's for me, when I, when I, I was able to just like accept things or let go of things that I wasn't letting go of before.
1: Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, yeah, I got to agree. I think, um,
0: yeah, I mean, it's hard
1: to. Maybe I have to look at my journal entries, but I, you know, it's hard to, I think, yeah, I think that's a very, that seems like the obvious spot to, to point to, um, like a breakthrough in, in our relationship. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was awesome. I love, I love that. And I, I love that we switched boats and I mean, that just fostered so much, um, mutual understanding and cooperation, uh, um, yeah. amongst, uh, you know, two individual paddlers that, you know, that became one boat and, and, um. Yeah, talk about groupthink, like <laughs> boat boat think, man. Boat think, boat think. Yeah, yeah it's so funny. That's it, it, that would have been really funny to get like uh, some statistics on, or like some some outsider perspective on that. I mean, there was all it was already funny to. All- I mean, it was yeah. already pretty apparent to us who were seeing other people work with other people. But yeah, you just yeah, you just kind of you both kind of adapt like. You become, you know, you you become more flexible in some areas, and like, you know, one person becomes more like you. You become more like one person. Yeah. In order for you guys to achieve this, like, syner- you know, this synergy, um, and make yourselves like a better, a, a better tandem. I, I think that that happened across the board, like with every individual pairing. Like, I think, I think, a lot of people. I I would say a lot of people's behaviors changed based on like who they were paddling with. Cause uh, you know, you, you, you want to be generous to the person who you're paddling with and realize, you know, you guys have differences and uh, you know, maybe that means like you're going to have to talk a little bit more now that you're paddling with this person, or you're going to need to talk a little bit less now that you're paddling with this person or you're going to be, you know um, you know, you know, not only are you sharing a boat with someone, you're sharing a tent with someone. So now you're going to, you know, you're going to feel like, you know, I don't know. What
0: what were some of people's preferences in the tent that you picked up on?
1: uh, You didn't like sleeping. Zach did not like sleeping uh, in corners, quote, unquote. So he would be like in the middle of the tent. you're like, dude, go to your side. you're like, dude, I hate corners. Like, I don't know what to say. Dude, it's so funny. Uh, Kaylee is the same. Uh, Kaylee loves corners. That's your girlfriend. Yeah, Kaylee's my girlfriend. And she won't ever sleep on this side that isn't with the wall (laughs) and i you know part of it is i'm convinced that she's a she's kind of a scaredy cat and like it's the side that's near the door but like it's also a real thing like she likes that feeling of like touching the you know people just have different stuff man Uh, like people have different stuff and you know and like there's no way to describe that like this guy doesn't like corners so i mean to to the to you know to someone that just sounds crazy it's like well you know i don't like you sleeping right next to me like how does it how do you feel more comfortable with your face in my face but like that's just how people are like you can't really explain it um so there's that you know james is like super fast in the morning and he also is very sparse and like a spartan packer so he has nothing so like that's where he'll really beat you because he'll be fast getting up but like even if I would get up right when James gets up, it doesn't matter because I have a freaking air mattress, air pad, and that takes, like, going to take me, like, a, two extra minutes. And, like, those two extra minutes, James is out of the tent, you know. To right. Pack. It's and, pretty you know, remarkable. That, yeah, you know, sometimes it would be like, dude, maybe I shouldn't, you know, this is a pretty nice campsite. Like, maybe I shouldn't yeah. have my sleeping pad because <laughs> you know, I'm sleeping with James.
0: And on that, did you struggle at all putting on um, wet clothing or, like, cold clothing? Like, did you, did, you, did you hesitate? You know, like, all right, you wake up, and you know that it's time to go. And I, I feel like on sometimes on cooch trips, I, like, will lay down a little bit and think about, you know, oh, you know, it's not going to ease into the morning. But on our trip, I feel like I'd wake up, and it's go.
1: Yeah, and definitely was go.
0: Did you ever hesitate, you know, before putting on that frozen sock or?
1: Dude, uh, not really. I I, I had these really cool boundary socks that, um, that I wore, like, over my wool socks a lot. And so my wool socks wouldn't ever get too wet. And when they would, like I would, I had brought like enough pairs that I would try to like, I don't know. Wet socks were never a huge thing for me. Like Mm. I never had to put on soaking wet socks. Like I sometimes had to put on damp cold socks, but not too bad. So like that was never a big thing. What about
0: wet pants? wet? Yeah, wet
1: pants. Like, no, I wouldn't say I had too much hesitation. I'd say this, I don't know, you know, just by virtue of like what we packed and, um, I don't know. And I'd say we were pretty diligent. And and I don't know, the materials too. Like I don't know. You know, I didn't trip in car hearts, I tripped in these really we had all that was one of our definitely across the board favorite pieces of gear, these Cirques outdoor re, uh Cirque outdoor research pants. Very tough and they they dried very quickly. And and I don't know, dude. We do think so anachronistically back at Camp Cooch, like, um, like we were using car hearts and like really heavy stuff and they don't dry fast and, and all this gear that like, yeah, like only James brought cards and like he, you know, they ripped holes in, they got ripped holes in them. And they were always soaking wet, you know, it was like rough for him to not put the on. A, yeah. Not to play. So we had good gear out there, but no, I mean, for me, that's never been a major issue. I do. I do. I mean, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't the fastest person um, getting out of the tent. You know, I'd say, I'd say definitely across the board, like you, me and Quinn definitely took the longest. And then it was like mm. Bram, Paul, and 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 James, like the you yeah, know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh yeah. For me, that was just I just took so freaking long to put away my stuff, man. I don't know. It was never I I was usually pretty good about getting up. But yeah, just all I had a lot of gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you do you have like a favorite piece of gear?
1: Man, those cirques I was just talking about, really good. Those boundary socks that I mentioned, which are these like almost knee high neoprene, um, socks that you can, or yeah, they're like neoprene, they're socks, but like you slip, they're like, it's like a glove that you put over your, over your foot and your other sock. And, um, they kept, they were warm and, uh, they didn't, they, uh, they, they didn't let water in, um, when, unless they, unless they breached the very top. So I was, I kind of just didn't wear them whenever we'd be like excuse me, like really deep in, in like pulling up water, like up, you know, up to my waist. Um, but yeah, those were those were some big, those were some personal favorites. What else did I really like? Man, I really like my shell, like this, this rain jacket shell I had that I still have that I wear on really cold ski days. It's outdoor research, um, like parka, but it's also like has a built-in shell on it. So it's like rainproof. It's like waterproofed. So that was really good. Um, i really like my mittens too also outdoor research um oh yeah and then gotta love those space pants space
0: pants baby
1: yeah i was just thinking that down, those down these down pants that we would change into at the campsite take off our oh yeah and and crocs i'm super glad i brought my crocs um mm. yeah take off your wet shoes your wet socks yep. we we were pretty good about that um crazy dude it was crazy i actually think i had the best feet of anyone on the trip Mm. i was the only one on the trip who didn't experience like um any mild to medium severity swamp foot um which swamp foot for those of you don't know or trench foot i mean i think it really that that the term got popularized um in world war one um when those guys were just in those wet Trenches for days and days in the rain and the mud, and the never had wet feet. They were never taking off their boots. I mean, and the, you know, there were some gnarly feet, and it, it can be incredibly painful. Um, and it can devolve pretty quickly. Um, and I had experienced it before on other trips, but I didn't have this issue at all. But yeah, we were pretty good about keeping our feet dry out there. It was very important for us. It, um, you know, good taking care of, of our bodies, obviously, when you're out there that long.
0: Yeah, and bathing, bathing, yeah, uh, even in you know cold conditions, feel like we were.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. There were there were some that were better bathers than others too, but um, yeah, I'd say we were pretty across Who was the board. The best bather, um, Quinn was a good bather. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think I was a pretty good bather too. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: Paul, I felt Paul like. Paul
1: was a pretty good bather as yeah. well. Who
0: what, who was on the opposite end of that, would you say?
1: Bram was not a good bather. <laughs> James was not a good bather. I don't know if you were that great of a bather. I think you were a medium bather. Me- mediocre. Me- yeah. yeah, you were like. M- medium, not. I you're don't. You were in that, like, I think you were in that four, that, like, number four, three position. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, but I still felt, and it was even more because. I, on on canoe trips, I very rarely made. Yeah,
1: totally. I'm a little
0: nasty muskrat out there. But like on our trip, I ma- I like made an effort to do it yeah.
1: more often. Water was cold. Water was cold. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end, it, it, at the end and at the beginning, it was cold, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And yeah we uh, we saw it all. There were some days that were just so hot; it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were some days that were just so cold. It was like, man, I, you know, we better get off this river.
0: Did you like our tent?
1: Loved our tent. Um, <laughs> hey, oh man, some, oh dude, yeah, that was something I think we could look into. I mean, super easy setup. So
0: wait, what was our tent? Do you remember what it was called? It was
1: the the Nemo.
0: Um four season. I don't know. It was an emo four season. It was orange. oranges a three, three person tent.
1: Yeah. It was a three man tent that we, we got three, three man tents, mm-hmm. um, extremely user friendly setup, very durable, no issues with that. Like we were, you know, we had no issues with the tent, which was really important for us, um, because of how much we were going to use it and how much wear and tear they were going to go through. Um, great for the very cold temperatures really really horrible for the middle part of the trip uh, especially though because it was the summer and you know even though we weren't all the way i mean that middle part of the trip when the, when uh what was it the summer solstice is that what it's called when the sun is like at at its
0: peak, at its peak like bright all the time yeah. yeah uh is it would it be this Is it that the makes that would make sense to me
1: there's only we the can fact solstice. check this after I don't yeah, know, yeah. I, I don't know Shoot. i
0: don't know i just learned the word solstice on a prior podcast i really <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well you know when the sun you know that part of the summer where you know it's the brightest and when you're all the way up there like the sun is out the longest when you are as far north as we were that means that uh at, actually at a certain point like i forget what point in the trip it was but we were just like, wow, okay, this is we are only gonna be pretty much chasing the sun from here. Like we even though because of how far we're paddling north, like we the sun like is gonna keep following us. Like that was what it was like. We had we saw so much sunlight. So this was really hard for us on those hot um afternoons because in the
0: in the in the middle of summer.
1: Yeah, in the middle of the summer. And uh because like you're going I mean, just how are how your day is structured out there? For those of you who don't know, like on a trip, like we were getting up like, you know, if you're getting up at five a.m., like that's pretty late. Like, yeah, that's late. Like you're getting up at like four, four, four fifteen, probably. Um, and then you're you know you're going to bed at like set uh, at like seven thirty. Um,
0: and it's not it's not pitch black at four in the morning either. No,
1: no, no. You're getting up like around sun a sun it's like, like a, around sunrise, like a little bit before sunrise, like right. pretty much around then though. Right um and uh yeah and that means like when you're going to bed around seven the sun is still way in the sky like it is high in there like it is not close to sunset at all and um it and it was going to stay in there so we we would start we would not even set up our tents until actually some people did this was like a some people had different um perspectives on this but you know at least my, you know, and what we did sometimes like you wouldn't set your tent up until right when you're ready to get in it because it felt like an oven in there. Yeah. And, uh, but it was so hard too, because, um, unless you had a very special spot, like there's bugs and you can't leave your door open. And, um, there was tiny little like ventilation slits with like, a, with like, uh, you know, uh, with, a. A screen so like bugs can there get was in. not
0: there was not a screen oh not in the that was the big slits. that was the big issue with the tents too is that the only ventilate they had these small little flaps that you could open in the top of the tent yeah and they they weren't made of mesh so it was like if you were going to open the only source of ventilation you were inviting every bug in 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 the in the surrounding right. area into your tent and so i, I oftentimes You'd leave it open when there was a draft of wind going through, but by the time you were in the tent and closing out, I feel like. And if you ever
1: fell asleep and then you woke up and you're like, there were so many bugs. Like, that <laughs> happened to some people. Did that happen to that, you? No, it never happened. It didn't Cause happen because I was me. very careful. I didn't happen to. Who did happen to? Happened like to Paul. Feel like, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Oh man, yeah, that's so funny.
0: For the so in the cold temperatures, our tents I think were, we're superior. So good. Yeah. Um, just not not if not as not desirable in the in the hotter temperatures.
1: No, not
0: desirable in the hotter temperatures. Was there anything that you wish you had out there that you didn't have? Um,
1: nothing I can think of off the top of my head. I think we were pretty, what, anything you can think of?
0: I, I really felt like I had everything I wanted out there.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, no, we, no, I didn't want for anything.
0: We were, I mean, we were doing it. We were doing it, man. I, we, we had a solar chargers, a solar, solar unit, Kindles. Um, I feel like I, I finally, I finally started appreciating a Kindle. Oh, yeah. What an amazing device. Yeah. Yeah, um, truly. I'm really, yeah. Uh, I'd never, I'd always been anti-Kindles. I preferred, you know, the, the, uh experience of reading a book. Yeah, right. But there it there is something really nice about a Kindle.
1: Yeah, especially on that canoe trip, man. Like, <laughs> shoot, dude. With all that gear. That's just on, how light they are.
0: If you have a solar a solar unit of some sort, I would recommend a Kindle. Totally. Another cool thing that you did that I don't think everyone did as religiously was maintain a journal. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, totally. Um well first off, we did keep a trip journal and that was also part of the rotating duties that we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast um where uh the uh, we who you know whoever was the photographer that day was also the journal person that day and like that meant um it was their job at at the campsite at some point before they went to bed to try to de you know detail in whatever manner they wanted to like the the events of the day or the major you know whatever they wanted to and people had different styles um but yeah pretty much just like you know giving a a run through of, w- of what happened that day um and also you know poetic feelings and stuff like that if they felt like it but uh that's something we all did and we so we have like a source Runs north trip journal that has each and every one of our voices in it which is a pretty cool thing and we have a lot of that published on our website um and uh yeah so I'm really happy we have that cuz it's going to keep um it's going to keep the the voices of our of, of our companions, like in, in our, in our heads, like for the rest of our lives, like we're going to be able to look back on that years and years from now. And, and, you know, you're going to be able to hear, you know, hear the, read about the day from like James Knowles perspective. And it's definitely going to be completely different from how everyone, you know, how other people viewed the day, but, um, you know, you're going to be reading it in his voice probably too. Um, so that's really cool. But in addition to that, I did keep my own personal journal, um, which I also did. Um, yeah, I was I was pretty diligent about that, and to the point where um, I wouldn't when it was my turn to like when it was my turn to write in the trip journal. Like I would write my trip journal entry, and then I would pretty much write the same thing verbatim in my other trip journal, like in my other journal. If I had the time, um, if not, I would like you know really try to get it done like the next day because um, it was a pain in the butt if you got behind. Um, I only do that like a couple times, but yeah, it just became part of the routine. Um, yeah, so that's that's something that I still am trying to get fully transcribed, like in a Google document right now. I'm on like day like forty, um, and then I haven't had time to touch it in like a long time, so um, it still feels very vulnerable, kind of like all of our SIM cards felt until we got that hard drive. Like, oh, cause I see what you're saying. If I lose that journal, it's right. like I lose all of that. Um so that's it. And, and
0: did you miss a day?
1: Uh no. no I didn't miss a single day. There is one day that I didn't get transcribed into my personal journal. It's like day 30 something that I wrote like you wrote in the I wrote I wrote journal. in the trip journal and then I wrote like in my journal like you wrote it in the trip journal like, you know, just copy it. But I stopped doing that cuz I want to I want to have it like all, you know what I mean, like right in that in document. The same location. In that document. So like I don't know what's going to happen to that, but like I'm going to have, like, the final one that I'm going to, like, print out and probably, like, you know, bind and all that and, like, get it nice. But, like, that one that I wrote out there with the actual handwriting and, like, the mosquito blood splatters on it and all that stuff. And, like, you know, even with, like, the pages coming out of the binding, you know, that's going to be a very special artifact that I want to
0: have for the rest of my life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I remember you mentioning this, uh, mentioning something about making a book maybe out of some of the material. Totally. Is that still a consideration?
1: Definitely a consideration. Um, but man, now that I've gotten into this, like, um, film project, like that's like where all of my, the majority, like the majority of my free time hours, um, on weeknights or like many of my free time hours on weeknights is going like I'm, I'm in there like probably eight hours a week. Um, just tagging stuff. And so that that has not, the writing aspect has not been a focus. Um, but I mean, it's good stuff, I mean, it's kinda like I'm doing research for whatever I might write, if you know right. maybe I mean, just like really getting to watch everyone else's post trip interviews and and pre trip interviews and the stuff on there, we got some really good stuff, and it's really cool um it's really cool to get get that that second look um so yeah, that's where a lot of my efforts are going right now but i i I would definitely like to write something i mean if anything i'd like I definitely like to write an article, you know. At least for like a magazine or for even like for the cooch. I don't know if something for the cooch community. Um, you know, something like that. So yeah, definitely, uh definitely.
0: Well, yeah, I'd love to I'd love to see if that goes anywhere because I, I think you're a strong writer. That was something I was insecure about on, on the trip too. Was when I whenever it was my day for the group journal, um, I just never felt capable of fully adequately describing a day. Um, and I feel like you can do a good job of that.
1: Oh, you know, yeah. Well, thank you. And but, yeah. That's too bad. <laughs> that you felt that way. Oh no, yeah, I, yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's something I'm something I'm dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um we all we all uh-huh. have uh we all have our things. But um I and I also something I actually remember that I would have liked to have out there um was like a reference guide of the 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 wildlife and the the fauna and flora that I was looking at.
1: That's a good thought. Yeah, totally.
0: So, yeah, if you could upload that, like, wherever you're traveling, whether it be a canoe trip or a hiking trip, I think it would be really cool to have, like, a guide to to explain what you're seeing.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Because we saw such diversity of life. It was like, you know, I don't even have the words to explain what the hell I was looking at. Right. But, like, it was a bunch of crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, no. It, it yeah, it would have been cool if we had. Um, we definitely had a broad range of like skill sets, just from like personality to uh, things that we were good at um, and very important. But yeah, I think we talked about this on the trip too. Like, you know, it'd be awesome to have like a geologist. I feel like one of us had had studied geology or, or hydrology. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, or even uh, meteorology um and had more than just that layman's kind of understanding of it
0: what did we have an expertise that was interesting out there
1: an expertise like ah dude i don't know man um or
0: or, would you describe us as generalist
1: yeah i mean i would say i mean i would say generally yeah, yeah i would say yeah generally our our scopes of knowledge were more generalist. Like we didn't have, um, I don't know. I mean, part of it is just like where we all were in our life. Like most people, you know, everyone's like pretty young on this trip. Yep. Um, we didn't have that kind of like professional development or, or postgraduate education. Yeah. Um, in very specific fields, which, uh, I mean, let's be honest. That's like what, you know, postgraduate education is like. Um, but, I mean, yeah, no, we had a extremely strong knowledge of like of uh, what, you know, of, of the things that we needed to know about, like of how to, you know, you know, how to, how to camp, right. how, how you know, how, how it was, it, yeah, we all had the same, it was, it was very helpful that we all grew up with the same, uh, the same background in tripping styles yep. for sure. Um, and I'd say we all had, I mean... So yeah, when I'm saying like we were in, inex- you know, we didn't have that kind of specialist knowledge field like in those very specific areas that we just mentioned. For example, hydrology, mineralogy, you know, whatever. Um, to be clear, we had a extreme, we had a wealth of experience in canoe tripping. I think like I can't remember the math, but like we added up all the days of just canoe tripping that we had. And, you know, we had over a thousand right between the six of us, like. You know, in the woods can't, you know, canoe tripping. Like it was kind of crazy, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of nuts that you spend, you know, for many of us have spent, you know, the better part of a year on a canoe trip. I mean, no, now too. Like, oh, holy smoke, we just all spent, oh my gosh. yeah, we just all spent over 100 days on one. So I don't even know where we're at now, but right. yeah, you know, we, 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 to be clear, like when I mean, we mentioned other people going on these Arctic trips, Like, our group of guys, we had a lot of experience, like, as far as just how long, you know, we, how old we were, but, like, how long all of us had been coming to the camp. Like, you know, we were, all of us had been continually going up to camp for the, for the better, for the better part of our 20s um, and uh, leading these, leading these trips, so. And it was
0: also nice coming from the same organization because it was something that we would talk about and we were able to share stories that we all thought immediately were interesting So just coming, I feel like that was also nice. Totally. To go back, um, I I do remember a conversation while we were paddling. This was one of those moments where all three boats were together and talking. Um, We were talking about, um, like, Dream Team (laughs) um, putting together a trip. I don't know if you remember this. This was on, um, dude, this was early in the trip. I don't even know why I remember this. Um, This was before the Sturgeon, even. This is like day like between day like six and twenty. I don't know, but um, what specializations would you have? Would you put on your dream team if you had to make a six person? Oh yeah, we trick? did talk about this.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and that's where those like hyper specializations, yeah, the, the those ones that we talked about came in. Um, yeah, dude, uh, the the uh, the hydrologist would be a, a cool one. Why? Um, I mean, just learn, I mean, I just have so much, I mean, just to like, I can't like, I could read water really well, but like, I can't, I can't competently like talk about it. Like for, you know, for, you know, just spout off stuff. Like why the river's doing this and this, like, I, I can't, you know, I can, I can read a rapid and, and talk, you know, I can see what's going on in it, but like, I can't really, I still have like a lot of, I, there's a lot of vernacular i need to learn right. Right, and, and and stuff like that so that would be cool just like i don't know just to learn all that and have to talk about it competently um man i don't know it would be cool to have like a poet on the trip
0: yeah i think
1: i agree yeah why i i i don't know i was, I was just um uh, i mean that's just it's i don't know poets are uh, notoriously um I don't know. They they they're pretty. I mean, I guess it depends what kind of poet you had. Like, I guess you could have like a really morose kind of poet, but I don't know. I think uh, they're very they're they're very creative types. Um, I think generally, a lot of time they they they're very good at encapsulating um, moments, be- yeah, moments and beauty and and oh, and, and, and a lot of, and and just and and just feelings, um, yeah, and and. and and um yeah, so you know, and they're able to put that in writing, but also, I don't know, just to, like hang out with that person too is probably mm. would be really i like, have that person oh. around the campsite would be nice too. Oh man. Um I don't know. I was also just trying
0: to think of like something more outside the box than like yeah mineralogist. Right. now that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So a poet, a poet and a hydrologist and then whatever else that's, is fun you want. To, so
1: yeah, see. I don't I don't want to make like six person Yeah, time. okay, that's fine. That's fine. What about
0: you? Um but, uh probably a geologist. Yeah. A geologist, yeah. Um so, uh like a a biologist to talk about to talk about the animals.
1: Yeah, 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 totally. I want
0: to know, I wanted to know more about the animals. Um, like an old an old person, <laughs> like with wisdom, crazy, like really, like um, able to tell crazy stories, you know, yeah. just about anything and, and impart wisdom. Um, a musician, like a like a harmonica player.
1: Yeah, that would have been nice.
0: Yeah, totally. that that was one thing because I I love music, and um, that was one area, um, that I felt that I felt like I wish i wish we had more like we were more musical i feel like we had moments we had spurts of music but like um it would have been it would have been nice it would have been nice to sing to sing more make make beats and, and all that crap because that's what i'm into
1: yeah totally we we, we did have the melodica
0: yeah we, which we never used
1: no, we didn't.
0: <laughs> Thank you Marty. Shout out to our friend Chris Martello who comes from the Camp community. He um he gave us a melodica to bring on the trip. <laughs> um and it's such a funny instrument. I remember talking to Alice Peacock, another member of our community. Um and she was like, "That's either going to be really good or really bad just because it's such a particular sound that it yeah, makes." Very particular. <laughs> and uh
1: Marty's coming this weekend, by the way. Stoked about that. Yeah. Stoked about that.
0: But yeah, um Was there anything, any other topic that you wanted to, or any, any final things you wanted to put out there to the world about the trip?
1: Um, no, I, I, uh, man, I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot to, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to say about it, but, um. Yeah, hopefully we can do another podcast here. I mean, yeah. I, I wonder if we could do, like, a, a group. I don't know. I, I know you only have two mics,
0: maybe. Yeah, I've tried doing multiple people, like, two people on one mic, and it just doesn't sound good.
1: Yeah. Maybe maybe once we get your operation uh, up and running. Um,
0: <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's ways to get, yeah, multiple mics.
1: Yeah. Um, no, but that that would be cool to, like, have a... A group? Have a, a yeah, a group. I, that I would be know.
0: super cool. I'd you be know, really
1: into that. get this in there again. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, uh, no. Thanks for having me on and and uh, talking about the trip and, um, yeah, totally, always happy to talk about, about the trip with you, um, yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Axel Lloyd, uh, live from Vale, Colorado. This has been another episode of In the Area. Uh, if you did like the podcast, hit that follow button, whether that be Spotify or iTunes. Uh, there will be future episodes, and we'll talk more about the trips. But Axel Lloyd, love you.
1: Love um, you too, man. Thank you so much for having me. And and uh thanks for doing this. This is super exciting. I'm very excited for you. And I'm excited to see where this goes. Me um, too. Yeah. So thank thanks for having me on. Thank you, man. Love you. Love you too. Good night. Good night. Boop 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 boop.